And the Lord was still at work in him. Remember, he denied him three times, and now three times here, he's going to tell Jesus that he loves him. But even in that, we're going to see that there's still room for growth, and we'll look at that. But let's look at it and read it. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. After their breakfast together, Jesus spoke directly to Peter. Jesus had already met with Peter individually on the day of his resurrection. This is documented in Luke chapter 24, verse 34. We can only wonder what Jesus and Peter talked about at that first meeting. Nevertheless, it was still important for Jesus to restore Peter in the presence of the other disciples. Jesus asked Peter to compare his love for Jesus to the love that the other disciples had for Jesus. Before he denied Jesus three times, Peter claimed to love Jesus more than the other disciples did. Jesus wanted to know if Peter still had a proud estimation of his love and devotion to Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, Already in Progress. And being more vocal about our faith. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of man? You know what? Who are we going to stand before in all of eternity? Don't be afraid of any man, no matter what they look like, or woman, no matter what they, no matter their personality. Just pray that God would give you a heart and the courage to open your mouth when he wants you to open your mouth. Sometimes we should be silent. But sometimes he wants us to open our mouth, and you know that urging you get sometimes. Why, why, why keep that from, you know, why stifle it? Let it out, and you'd be surprised what happened. I, I've been surprised many times where I've been, felt the urging to share something with somebody, and I'm like, no, Lord, I, and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to see what happens. And I do, and they crack like an egg. Who prepared that? It wasn't me. It was God. He was going to use me, but I was like, no, can't be me. I'm kind of in a hurry, Lord. i got things to do. Oh, really, Rob? Well, who's, to whom do you belong? Well, I belong to you, but... <laughs> Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for of necessity is laid upon me. Yes, and woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And why do we do this? And you know, you think about it, for God, and this is in John chapter 3, verse 17, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes, there's coming a time when God will condemn the world. We know that that day is coming. But when he came the first time, as a baby through the Virgin Mary, he came with a specific purpose to die on that cross for you and I, for the sin of the whole entire planet. Anybody who's ever lived or will live, he paid the price once and for all. That was his purpose. That was his mission. He came to restore a bride for his father. That's what he came for. And notice in verse 6 that 
Jesus says, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You might want to underline the word net because I want to share something with you that's really interesting. I believe that Jesus said net very specifically to remind Peter and the disciples about something that happened in the past. And a kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement. So what was this event? Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. You're going to see something here that's very interesting. And remember what Jesus just said to them. He says, cast out the net. And I believe it was tongue-in-cheek. And I also believe that was an indicator for the disciples to know who it was that was speaking on the shore that they couldn't see. Because guess what? He was 300 feet from shore when he said this. A football field, 100 yards. Think of that. Can you see somebody on the, on the, other, on the goal from one goal to the other clearly? And he says, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And I bet one of them is going, oh boy, I remember this. Because early in Jesus' ministry, early... And Luke chapter 5 encapsulates it. It says, so it was, and this is a separate instance, okay? This is not the same thing. So it was, as the multitude pressed him about, uh, uh, pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out the boat from the land a little bit. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat, which is a great thing to do honestly because when you're out in the water when you're out on the galley and i know this firsthand you can be out there and you can hear people talking on the shore it's it's like a natural amphitheater because there's mountains all around it's like the sound you, you could be several feet away and hear exactly what they're saying and so jesus did this obviously because he knew he had command over nature he knew what he was doing he could have stayed on the shore but he's like you know what there's a lot of people here i'm going to back out into the water and i've got my own natural amplifier here so i'm going to use it so he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, and when he, had stopped, uh, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, and here it is, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Underline or circle that word nets. Let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, come on, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. We've caught nothing, but nevertheless, you know, at your word, I guess we'll let down the net. Underline or circle that word. So Jesus tells them to throw out the nets, and Peter's like, oh, whatever, I'll just throw out the net. Singular. Right? You can see Peter's reluctance. After all, Peter was a fisherman. I don't know if you knew that. Peter knew what he was doing. He was a seasoned fisherman. He knew the Galilee. He could tell when the wind is coming up. Well, we better start heading to the land. There's going to be a nasty storm here. He knew all about this fishing business. Jesus, just leave this to me. I've, got, I've been on this water for a long time. I don't know where you came. You live down in Jerusalem or, you know, Nazareth, you know, whatever. You know, I've got this under control. And little did he remember that Jesus... Is the one who created it. The creator of all things. The very water, the very boat that he's sitting in. He created that and the water. He knew the properties of the water. He established those things long ago, before it was even created. Before. And so, and he who commanded the animals to board the ark of Noah's day was able to draw fish to those nets. But Peter dropped over what? How many nets? One net. He dropped over one net. And then, uh, notice in verse 6 there in Luke 5, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and now their net was breaking. If they would have just let down the nets, plural, it's very possible that their single net would not have suffered damage, but because of their reluctance to obey Jesus, 
They're still going to get the big catch, but they're, they're going to have damage in their net because of their disobedience. And see, there's times when the Lord might ask you to do something that defies your logic or experience. Be willing to obey and see what the Lord does in and through you. Yes, to do something that's out of the box. As long as it won't violate his word. But sometimes we have to be challenged because we are pretty smart people. But the breaking of the net could have been avoided by their obedience instead of just throwing out the net. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats and they came and they helped them. And, um, and Jesus, in, in verse 10, he says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And so when he had brought their boats to land, they, all for, they forsook all and they followed Jesus. And why is that a big deal? Because as Jesus is telling them on the shore, I believe, again, tongue-in-cheek, he says, hey, you catch anything? And remember, this event that we're looking at in Luke 5 happened in the beginning of his ministry. And now he says, hey, throw out the net on the right side of the boat. And they didn't argue with him this time. They did it and they had a great thing of fish. I think that was a tongue-in-cheek expression because one of those fishermen probably recognized, hey, you know what, I remember this before. Too bad he didn't say throughout your nets, we would have had even more fish. But they did obey this time. They learned a lesson. And so verse 9, Then as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. And, they, and Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon went up and dragged the net to the land, uh, full of large fish, 153. And, all, and although there were so many, notice the net was not broken, because they actually did what Jesus said. Throw the net on the other side. Yeah, just one single net, guys. Not nets. Just do what I tell you to do. And so they did. And the net wasn't broken this time. It's interesting how obedience is attached to even physical blessings, right? When we obey God, there are blessings for obedience. And it's not up to us for the outcome. We just be obedient. If he tells me to go speak to somebody, Lord, help me to do that. Because there's a reason for it. That person may have woke up that morning and said, and I've heard this story before, where somebody has said, you know what, God? There's been people that have been at the point of suicide and, and, and they would say, if somebody, if you don't intervene and do something today, God, I'm going to go home this night and I'm going to pull the trigger. And that very day, some Christian gets an inkling from the Lord. Hey, go speak to that man. Oh, I don't want to. Okay, I'll go. And then you go over to them and you say, you know what? I don't know why this is, but God wanted me to come speak to you and just tell you that he loves you. And then to see that person's countenance fall. And be completely blown away. No pun intended. <laughs> completely blown away. And all it took was me listening and being obedient. And now that man is a, a believer in Christ. Because he believed. And God heard. And God heard the cry of his heart. And God knew that that man would have followed through on his promise. And so God puts it upon my heart to go share with him. And, I mean, it didn't happen to me. But, but if it happens to you, don't... don't Hold back. What have you got to lose? You got nothing to lose. So some have tried to make a big deal of this 153 fishes, and I'm not going to make a big deal. I think it was just 153 fish. 
It's really that simple. Notice verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of them dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Again, there was something about his resurrection body. But Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And notice Jesus here serving them. Again, being an example to them, that they might be an example to others. And so now this is the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now let's look at verses 15 through 17. We know that Peter denied the Lord three times, and now three times Peter is going to say to Jesus that he loves him. And Jesus and the Lord was still at work in him. Remember, he denied him three times, and now three times here he's going to tell Jesus that he loves him. But even in that, we're going to see that there's still room for growth, and we'll look at that. But let's look at it and read it. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Feed means to feed the members of the church spiritually. He was basically saying, Peter, you're going to be a leader now. I want you to be a leader, and I want you to feed my lambs. In other words, feed my people, feed them spiritually, tell them the truth, give them the gospel. Share with them the truths that I've shared with you. And so Jesus said to him again the second time, verse 16, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my sheep. Tend them, govern them like a shepherd does a, a, a sheepfold. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. We believe that it was after the events of this chapter that Jesus gave them what we call the Great Commission. And so Jesus would first restore Peter back into service and, and, and then the other 11 as well. And this is what we're going, this is what we are to be doing as well. To be following the Lord and following that great commission. See, our commission from the Lord is not to convert people to a political party. But bringing them into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And understand this, that when the Lord changes our hearts, everything else will change as well. Our worldview and our convictions are all going to change based on the Spirit of God who's in us. You don't have to worry about all of that. You get them to Christ and He takes care of the rest. The truth becomes evident and you will follow the truth. And certainly pray and, and stand up against the evil. Pray and stand up against those things. Push back against those powers of evil that are trying to tear away our freedoms and our constitutional rights. But let's make sure that we do the main thing. And that is to be fishers of men. To Jesus. Not to a political party. I don't care what party you're from. If you're a Christian, praise the Lord. That's the main thing, folks. That's the main thing. Notice in verse 17 here, though, we've got to look at this a little closer now. He said to him the third time, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved, notice. And why was Peter grieved? Why was he grieved? Well, the only way to really show this is to show you something, and that is to look at these verses. Now I want to show you something because in those three verses, 15, 16, and 17, everything that you see in purple 
uh, up here, like when, in, the, in verse 15, when Jesus said, G, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the other men here? Do you love me more than this fish, these fish that you have here? Don't know what he was speaking about there completely, but he says, do you love me more than these? But the word he used for love was agapeo, which is a, the highest form of love in the Greek language. You and I know in context what love is based on the context of our conversation. If I say I love God, you know that I'm talking about the supreme love. If I say I love my wife, you know that that is pretty close, but underneath. And if I say that I love my, you know, my guitar, I don't know, I'm picking something, you know that it's a different kind of love. You follow me? Well, that's in the Greek language, that's the case. And that's why Peter was grieved, because notice, everything that you see in purple was Jesus speaking Peter, do you agapeo me? Do you love me in a, in a benevolent sense, a self-sacrificing way, the highest form of love that there is? And Peter responds back in verse 15. You'll see it in yellow there. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, but the word is phileo, which is a friendly kind of love. It's, a, it's a, an acquaintance. It's a love, but it's not quite as high as agapeo. You know I love you. And he said to him the second time, Simon, do you agapeo me? Do you love me in that highest regard, Peter? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I love you in a friendly sense. And he said to him the third time, Simon, do you phileo me? Do you know why Peter was grieved? Because Jesus was prompting him, do you really love me, Peter, in, in the highest? Am I the highest and the best in your life? And Peter's like, Lord, I, I, I love you. I, I'm not quite there yet. Remember just a few days ago, about a week or so ago, I, uh, I was denying you. I'm moving up the chain here. I'm, I love you. I phileo you, but I'm not quite there yet. But then when Jesus said in verse 17, notice it. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? And what does that do to Peter? It just melts his heart because they're, they're playing a word game here. And it's not that Jesus was upset with Peter. He knew exactly where he was at. He wasn't upset with him. But he's like, Peter, do you phileo me? And he said, Lord, and, uh, and he was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? Do you love me? Not in the highest, but even just down below. Do you, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And what I believe is so wonderful about these verses and the underlying Greek meaning of the word love is that Jesus is going to meet Peter right where he's at and he won't browbeat him. He's not going to beat on him. He's not going to belittle him. Jesus will continue to encourage Peter in this love for Jesus. And Jesus would use him even though Peter was not perfect. He was going to allow him to be a leader and yet his love for Christ was still forming and I don't know about you, but that encourages me because my love for Christ is forming. It's not quite where it should be. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, I can talk the talk all I want, but God knows the reality. And I'm learning more of the reality based on experience of how much I really love him. And honestly, I don't know where I'm at completely. There are days where I feel like I could say, Lord, I agape owe you. <laughs> and there's other days I'm like, oh, not sure I know who you are. And aren't you glad that God didn't browbeat Peter? See, Jesus doesn't use perfect people because he can't find any. He's the only perfect person. 
So I qualify for the kingdom of God because I'm imperfect, but my God is perfect, and in him I have become perfected and ultimately will be perfected. I won't be like him. I'll be similar to him, but I won't be God, but I will be like him. Isn't that wonderful news? I love what it says in the Psalms. It's kind of a a self-esteem breaker, but so be it. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. And here's the answer that is replied back. They've all turned aside. They have all together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Oh, that's exciting. I think Peter can relate to that. I think I can relate to that. So if God can have this dialogue with Peter and expose really where his love really is, and yet God would say, now feed my sheep, Peter. I still want you to be a leader, and you work with that, and I'll work in you and continue to work in you. And see, he does the same thing with us, folks. He's not mad at you. I don't care where you go. If somebody says, well, God's just angry at you, you can say, you know what? He's taken his anger and his judgment upon Christ at the cross. He doesn't need to be angry with me. I can grieve him, there's no doubt, but he's not angry with me. He knows I'm a work in progress. He knows these things. And I love what it says in Isaiah 42. One of my favorite verses. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. A bruised reed. You ever seen a reed alongside the shoreline of like Lake you know, uh, Ontario or on Canandaigua Lake, those reeds that grow up and it's kind of broken and kind of bruised? He's not going to... Um, he's not going to break that bruised reed. He's going to tilt it back up again. That it, it might be. He's going to put a splint in it, you know, and make sure that it gets the it, it recovers and heals. And a smoking flax. It's smoking. It's smoking. It's not on fire, but he's not going to quench it. He's going to rather put more fuel on the fire to have it grow into a big flame. See, that's the we have. We have to have. Lord, what happened to us? What happened to me? What happened to us? And I'm not saying that you specifically, but if the shoe fits, we need to wear it. Where is my heart? Where is the fire? Has it gone out in my heart? Am I no longer willing to share anymore? Am I just content on waiting for the rapture? You can do that. And God still loves you. And you're still going up. But folks, we're missing. We're missing what he wanted us to do. We're missing the Great Commission. It's the only commission he's given us, and it's a great commission. It's a wonderful commission. It's the most important message on the planet. No greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have to be out doing it. That's why this summer, pray that, we, that the Lord gives us more direction and wisdom because we want to plan an outreach in our, in our, in our community here in the neighborhood. It's a great neighborhood. We want to go out. Talk to them again. We've done it a couple times, a couple years in a row. We want to go out two by two, door to door, just love on people. Give them Bibles. Invite them to come to a picnic and eat. And give them whatever they want, you know, and just love on them. Ask them if you can pray for them. We've got to be about that again, folks. And it can't just be something that we do only on a certain day of the year when the church calendar. No, it has to be something that's got to be an attitude of our heart all year round. Are we willing to be inconvenienced? to share the truth with somebody. Because see, that's what real love is all about, and that's what discipleship is all about. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.